This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me, as always, is our wonderful, charming, beautiful co-host, Ariel. What an introduction. <laughs> Hello. You're fantastic, okay? You edit all the podcasts that we do. You're wonderful, okay? You need some credit. Yeah, so now you know who to <laughs> yell at when the editing sucks. Well, here we are in episode five. And boy, do we have an interesting topic to discuss. I have gone through and picked out some of the most iconic and memorable temples and dungeons in the Legend of Zelda series. All of these temples and dungeons have one thing in common. And that is... Temples? (laughs) No! They are some of the most talked about within the Legend of Zelda series. And those temples we're going to talk about today are none other than the Shadow Temple, the Spirit Temple, the Water Temple, and the Forest Temple. I'm super excited to talk about the Forest Temple. (laughs) So, with all that being said, let's go ahead and dive in with our first temple, the Shadow Temple. So the Shadow Temple is one of our more interesting temples, okay? And it is one of the more interesting is because it is the least known, okay? There's not a lot of information on this temple. Well, for us, there's a lot of information. But for the Hyruleans and the royal family, there's not a lot of info. And there is a reason for this. So the Shadow Temple was constructed by the Shadow Folk or the Sheikah. It was built for purposes unknown. That is key words there. Nobody knows why it was built. The temple lies at the back of the Kakarika graveyard, and it is shadowed by Death Mountain. And when I say shadowed, I mean Death Mountain looms overhead of it. So just picture this, okay? Because 
Another aspect of this is none of the Shadow Temple is above ground except the entrance. So just picture this. You're walking through a graveyard and there's this big doorway that is just enveloped with the shadow of a mountain. It just screams eeriness. Sounds like a cool place to be. (laughs) So it is often referred to as the house of the dead. And there's a very particular reason why. And it is a very graphic and horrific reason. Many of the temple walls and structures are built out of the bones of people that were taken there to be tortured. Now that's metal. (laughs) At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So just think of this for a minute, okay? Because what we know about the Sheikah is the Sheikah operate in the shadows. They are literally there to do anything they need to to secure the royal family's lineage and integrity. So they are our stealthy assassins, our, you know, double agents. They are whatever we need them to be. Ruthless torturers? Ruthless torturers. And that actually brings me to a point. As we travel through the Shadow Temple in the Ocarina of Time series, we see many torture devices and traps. And you might be asking yourself, well, why are there so many traps if the Sheikah dwelled here? The reason for that is, is they didn't just dwell here. They, they also operated here. So if an escapee attempted to leave the temple, they would have to go through these booby traps and arsenals of, you know, death mazes to escape, which no one ever did. So what I don't understand is the Hyruleans have the Sheikah, you know, for all of that espionage and torture and stuff like that well they didn't necessarily know it was being used for torture but then yet it was taboo to talk about the shadow temple so that that is an excellent question so the Hyrulean family the royal family knew of the Sheikah but they had no idea what they did think about it this way the king, the queen, and the princess. They know they have these special elite guards. They know they've been 
divinely appointed as their guardians by the goddess Helia herself. But they have no idea what they're capable of and have no idea what they can do. So put yourself in the royal family's shoes for a moment. Not only is that incredibly amazing, but terrifying. Because these beings, you have no idea what they do in the darkness. All you know is that they dwell there. So it was really taboo for the Hyrulean family to talk about it, or the royal family to talk about it, because if they did know, then they would have to tell their people that they knew that other people were being tortured under their watch and they did nothing. And it would lead to an all outright rebellion against the royal family because the royal family is supposed to be appointed by the goddess Hylia as the most honorable family. They are supposed to be the epitome of what the Triforce represents, wisdom, courage, and power. I don't know. I kind of have a morbid mentality because I would be extremely thankful that I have the Sheikah to do whatever it takes to banish my enemies. Oh, the royal family very much was. They held the Sheikah in a very, very honorable and high light. But still, a tiny part of me personally would be terrified because at a moment's notice, these people with amazing, incredible, and unknown power could flip a switch. Well, I see it as nobody knows about the Sheikah but the royal family. Mm. I don't see how that would be very appreciative and how could they hold somebody in such good light if you're keeping them a secret. Well, see, that's the other interesting part is the Sheikah weren't a secret. They just weren't seen very often. Impa was the most seen Sheikah out of them all because Impa was Zelda's personal guardian. So everyone would see Impa walking through the city streets with Princess Zelda and, you know, would see her taking care of her and, and so on and so on. So it's not that the Sheikah were secret from society itself, but what they did was secret from society. So what you saw here was this amazing acrobatic magic wielding you know person but yet you knew nothing other than what they showed you so they are the very definition of a secret agent it's probably why they're up there in my favorite race <laughs> so let's talk more about the shadow temple so during <clears throat> So the phantom shadow beast Bongo Bongo breaks free of his prism that he was placed in at the bottom of the well of three features by none other than Empa. Now this is this well is in Kakariko Village. He retreats at this point to a large chamber in the recess of the Shadow Temple. Empa then goes to the temple and attempts to seal away Bongo Bongo again, but to no avail. This is where our hero Link has to go one-on-one, mano-a-mano with Bongo Bongo. So I'm bringing up Bongo Bongo here because 
there's actually an incredible fan theory that I, I, I absolutely have to talk about. So there's actually a couple. So there is a point where you go talk to a certain individual. Their name is Shikashi and they're near the house of Skulchula. And this is an elderly man. And I'm going to read exactly what he says. A long time ago, there was a man in this very village who had an eye they said could see the truth. Now, usually you have to train your mind's eye most strenuously to actually see the truth. But this fellow, no, they say he had a different way of doing things and his house stood where the well is now. So with this quote, the whole fan theory is that the shape-shifting monster Bongo Bongo is actually the man who could see the truth and that he potentially betrayed the Sheikah at one point and was executed. And this is also based off of when you do actually get into the well, you see that there's a series of torture devices down there and when you actually see Bongo Bongo, his his hands are completely severed from the body. He only has one eye. He's very twisted and contorted. And it, it's the very definition of a monstrous humanoid. So this is one of the fan theories that he actually is the man who could see the truth. But because of his betrayal, he was forced into this life of absolute evil shadow darkness and once this happened when he died his body and soul well his soul was twisted into this shadowy being and this is also hinted at because we get the lens of truth from the well and the lens of truth allows us to see the truth around us which is an item which we have to utilize in the shadow temple so that's one of the theories. The other theory is that it's also possible that Bongo Bongo was only created after Ganondorf became the king of evil. Since Sheik never mentions when Impa sealed the actual well, it could be theorized too that the well was sealed from when you drew the sword seven years, you know, because there's seven years that passes when you draw the sword from child Link to becoming adult Link. It could also be easily theorized that during that time frame, Impa sealed away Bongo Bongo. So it's it's a very convoluted timeline for and, you know, left open for fan speculation with Bongo Bongo. But it wouldn't be appropriate to talk about the Shadow Temple without talking about Bongo Bongo. So... I'm about to go bongo bongo with as many times as you've said bongo bongo. <laughs> so let's talk about the original purpose of the Shadow Temple. So it was originally crafted to absorb and concentrate all the evil and negative feelings of Hyrule, such as greed, hatred, jealousy, and so on. All of this can form a breeding ground for what will grow into a corrupted world. So the Sheikah were basically maintaining peace within Hyrule, not only through their evil, quote unquote, evil and diabolical acts of, you know, silencing traitors, but also by absorbing 
all the negative feelings around Hyrule to this one location. It was also utilized as a prison, which we've talked about many a times. It is a prison to hold the traitors and to hold the, you know, the people who would speak out and start revolutions against the Hyrulean family. Anyone who did not have their wills aligned with the Hyrulean family and the betterment of Hyrule basically got sent here. And it was a torture ground and a prison to hold them. So it served a multitude of purposes. And the last and most probably prominent purpose was it was the Sheikah's temple of worship and their training grounds. They would train here with all their special tactics. I mean, why not? You have all these booby traps and things. Teach your people how to avoid them, you know, assassin style. And they would also use this as a place to worship, which would also help to collect and place at bay the spirits of evil and the essence of evil that was contained in this one place. Which also explains a few things when Link finally gets here as an adult and has all these horrific monsters and things crawling around and running around. If there's no prayers or worship to keep the evil at bay, it would basically just begin to corrupt itself. So these are the things that we have on the Shadow Temple. And I can't, even with the lack of information that we have about it, with the information we did get, we know what kind of place this was. I mean, it was the dark of the dark of Hyrule. And we know the Sheikah dealt a lot in magic because we have the Lens of Truth, we have the Mask of Truth, we have the Sheikah Stones, we have the wooden statue, you know. We have all these ancient magical artifacts that they've utilized in different ways. You know, it's safe to assume that these artifacts could possibly be powered by dark magic as well. Or shadow magic, not necessarily dark. But either way, that's all we have on the Shadow Temple. Let's move on to our next temple. The legendary and absolutely painstaking water temple. <laughs> I think you had an interesting fact for us on this water temple, didn't you, Ariel? I do. So my little interesting fact is at the unveiling of Ocarina of Time 3D at E3 2010, the creator Miyamoto stated that he had been haunted by guilt for the last 10 years due to all the awful feedback he's gotten about the difficulty of the dungeon. And so as a result, he ensured that the Water Temple can be more easily completed in the remake. And some of these things include an easier method of switching between the Kokiri and Iron Boots, as well as three colored paths leading to the locations where you can raise or lower the temple's water level. I briefly remember this interview that was conducted, and I was like, yay! <laughs> but here's something I want to I, I I put out to our listeners. 
And feel free to message us on Twitter or on our Discord. Uh, what do you think? Was the water temple actually that hard or was it possibly be because of our age and video game skill level? Because I know a lot of us when we played this, we were still younger. You know, not all of us, but a lot of us played this when this first came out. And I mean, to be honest, I went back and played it again on the GameCube and it wasn't that challenging. It wasn't. I was 53 years old when I first played that. Oh, really? Yeah. Liar. Not that bad. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not even 53. (laughs) So I propose that question. I I personally believe it might have been just our skill levels at the time, you know, but I've heard from many, many fans that it was really that hard. And it also could have been that I played it when I was a kid and then went back and beat it as an adult. I already knew the answers, so I could also play into it. I was an impatient child, so (laughs) you already know my answer for that. All right, so let's get into the story about the Water Temple. So the Water Temple is an underwater temple built by the Zora, and it is utilized to pay homage to the water spirits, which we know it was said. And it was said by none other than Kapora Gabora. And I'm going to read the exact quote. Link, this is a beautiful lake full of pure, clean water. At the lake bottom, there is a water temple used to worship the water spirits. The Zoras are guardians of the temple. Straight, simple, to the point, letting us know how this goes. Zoras are in charge here. Which makes sense. Everything's underwater. So... In order to get into this temple, the entrance is located at the bottom of Lake Hylia. And it is at the base of the largest island of the lake. It is another one of the five major temples in Hyrule. And while Link was trapped, I guess you could say, or asleep, he was away when he transported through time in the sacred realm. Ganondorf froze the Zora's domain and cursed the water temple with Morpha, which is the final boss for this temple. And he did this to keep the sages from awakening. He corrupted and twisted each one of the temples in some way to prevent the sages from awakening because he knew this would be his undoing. So, with that being done, because of all the corruption and everything, the lake during the adult timeline is drained. And this is how we can get in without having to have the boots or anything. We just right in. So, we can't really do anything with the water temple until Sheik does her awesomeness and rescues Princess Ruto. All right. Rescue Princess Ruto. You get the ice domain is completely on is thawed. And now we can go into the water temple and do our water thing. So once you complete the water temple, Ruto awakens as the sage of water and you head off. You get the water medallion and you head off. So a couple of things that made this dungeon hard 
this dungeon was a winding path that descended and ascended and it was all over the place. You had to have the hook shot, the iron boots. It was, it was nuts. And you had to, there was just a lot of stuff you had to do to get in here. And this was one of my favorite dungeons for the mere fact that this is one of the first times we have to combat Dark Link. Now, this is the shadow version of Link. And it's the mini boss, and it is one of the more challenging fights. It's not until after this that we can actually go face Morpha. So, there's a couple theories to go with this. And one of the first theory is that the serpent-like statues found all, all over the water temple symbolize the dungeon's patron deity and illustrate the water spirit. It's their illustration of the water spirit. And it's never mentioned, the statues are never talked about, with never referenced again, you know, but they are seen all throughout the temple's architecture. It's on the scribing on the walls, their statues, they're, they're just everywhere. Morpha even looks close like a snake. She looks very close in, in appearance to a snake. The the other couple things are Lanayru, the light spirit from Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess can also be found in Lake Hylia and resembles a snake. So it's 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 pretty heavily referenced at this point that the water spirit that they're worshipping here is commonly portrayed as a snake which I thought was pretty cool but again this is just a theory nothing's ever been confirmed I'm not a fan of snakes <laughs> so another theory is due to the similar structure that the the lake bed temple has to the water temple in Ocarina of Time now lake bed temples from the Twilight Princess it is assumed amongst Legend of Zelda fans that it is or has once been the very same water temple. So again, another another shout out to our theories. And you know, I've realized doing a lot of research, that's all we really have to go on with a lot of the lore and the history of the Legend of Zelda is a lot of fan theories. But a lot of them just make sense. Know when you leave a lot of holes open because you don't fill them with your storylines, people are going to come up with fan theories. And there's oh, some yeah. pretty awesome ones out there. Oh, yeah. So with all that being said, that's all we really got on our water temple. And with that being said, let's go ahead and take ourselves a mid-break. Get! Yeah! Get! Well, here we are in the middle of the show to talk more Legend of Zelda. Woo. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> but first, before we get anywhere, we have to say a huge thank you to our fans for leaving all the reviews, for the amazing compliments, the amazing discussions that are happening in the Discord right now. Absolutely everything. I, listening, sharing it with friends. I, I am so ecstatic to see the show going so far already i'm and i cannot i cannot say thank you enough to our fans yeah if you go on our discord azra has a lot of interesting topics on there yeah a lot of interesting theories are being discussed right now in there and like i said 
we couldn't get this far without our fans. We, we owe everything to our fans right now. And I just wanted to take a moment to give all of you a huge shout out. You're all fantastic. You're wonderful. We love you. It's just amazing to be a part of your day. You all are the best. <laughs> now that we got the emotional stuff out of the way, let's get into some Zelda news. Okay, so I'm going to start this one off because I'm pretty excited. I'm a little bummed, but I'm pretty excited. So there has been a leak about Breath of the Wild 2. Now, I know we discussed it before, but it wasn't confirmed. This is pretty much a hard confirmed leak, okay? So we have a very, very famous leaker, okay? It is from a directly from a Nintendo Insider. Okay, Nintendo Insiders are infamous for leaking these things out. So Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, and you can find this article on comicbook.com, and the link will be in the show notes for you. They have said that, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer because it doesn't look like they're going to do an E3 announcement. But we are going to get a June announcement directly impacting Breath of the Wild 2. Now, this is a leak, so we have to be careful. We can't get our hopes up because sometimes leaks are wrong. But this coming from a directly from a Nintendo insider and it has been out, you know, it has been said before and we got this info. It's pretty much set in stone at this point in my eyes that we're going to get some announcement in June, which is incredible. I'm ready for the next installment of the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild series, especially with that trailer that dropped. I've got so many ideas right all in my head what could be going on. But that's for a whole nother episode. <laughs> so that's what I got for us today. Some Breath of the Wild 2 news. What do you got, Ariel? We're not out of the woods yet with winter. It's a little chilly. Mm. Especially here in the Midwest. It mm -hmm. gets warm and chilly and warm and chilly. Yup. So what better way to combat that? A good Christmas sweater. Yes. What? Underneath a Legend of Zelda <laughs> quilt blanket. Oh, you had me going. So we got a quilt blanket, though? Oh, yes. It's uh, Legend of Zelda, my favorite game, quilt blanket. And it has a little bit of every game in it. Ooh. Let's take a look at this thing. Now, this thing is on Army Merch Shop. Okay. And, well, there's... In the middle of the quilt, there's a silhouette of Link mm -hmm. with a moon and a tree, and it's really pretty. Mm -hmm. And then all around it, you have different symbols from the game. So you have Majora's Mask, oh. you have Navi, you have an ocarina, you oh. have the Triforce. I'll say I see a boss key in there and a, a sh hook shot, the Hyrulean Shield. Oh, yes. And then underneath the silhouette of Link are the rupees. And above it is the sword. Oh, the good old master sword. Yes. And you can get it in king, queen, throw, or twin size. Ooh. And it 
the price varies between $49.95 and $87.95, depending on the size of what you get. Well, that's not too bad in price either. Yes, so I'm definitely going to post this in the show notes. It's very, very pretty quilt. It's awesome, Mm -hmm. and it will keep you warm on these nights where it decides to be cold. And when you're not using it to stay warm, it's really cool for decoration. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) So, I'm... You're going to get that quilt from me, right? Who said that? (laughs) I didn't hear that from anybody. Well, I guess since you're not getting it for me, I guess we should go to the end of the show. Well, here we are at the end of the episode, and we still got two more temples to discuss. So let's get to it. The first one we're going to talk about is none other than the Spirit Temple. So there's a couple of details that I want to go over with the Spirit Temple. First and foremost, in order to enter the Spirit Temple, we have to go inside the Goddess of Sand. Now, we briefly talked about the Goddess of Sand when we talked about the Gerudos. It is the goddess that the Gerudo tribe worships over Hylia. The, see, they the Gerudo don't really see eye to eye with Hylia or, you know, the way things are going. So they were like, nah, we're going to worship this one. <laughs> so this temple that has been erected is in honor of the goddess of sand. And it's very interesting because when you go into this temple... This is one of the only temples in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time that you have to transition the puzzles as both young and adult Link. We see this kind of connection with the temple through its statues and depictions throughout. So it's safe to assume that the worship that took place here was worship about life itself, the transition of life, you know, the undyingness of the le- legacies you leave behind and, you know, such and you know, s- things such as this. It was a temple to depict the lifespan of a human. Essentially. Or a mortal. So, that being said, its purpose during the timeline of events for the Ocarina of Time is that it originally served as Naboru's headquarters until Ganondorf rose to power. And then it traded off to becoming his surrogate mothers, Komei and Katake. So this this transition of power is felt throughout it as well, because we can see that it's been turned from a temple of worship to more of a holding area. And a, you know, kind of like a prison style system especially with the enemies and things that we fight in here. And the fact that Noboru is one of our final mini bosses because, and this is all explained. I told you earlier, we were going to get back to Kome and Katake. So Noboru is originally uh, before she's captured, she's originally trying to find a way to basically overthrow Ganondorf. She doesn't like the way he's doing things. And a lot of the Gerudo stand behind her. So Komei and Katake get word of this. And they capture Naboru and all the other traitors. And they actually end up brainwashing Naboru. 
once they brainwash her, they turn her into the mini boss, Iron Knuckles. Now, as we know, Iron Knuckle is this heavy plated knight wielding a giant sword. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> so once the knight is defeated, Nabaru is set free. So once she is set free, Kome and Katake are furious and recapture her. So then as Link, we have to give chase. And this is where we learn Kome and Katake are actually twin Rova, which is the final boss for the spirit temple. After you defeat twin Rova, it is revealed that Noboru is the spirit sage and she gives Link the spirit medallion, completing this section of the game. So this is kind of the play by play somewhat of what happens here. So the question arises is, okay, so before all this chaos, what was the spirit temple? Well, simply put, it is a place to worship the spirit. The Gerudo tribe held this temple with the highest regards to worship not only the goddess of sand, but life and the essence of itself. So though they were a tribe known for their brutality and their war, you know, style, they were also very knowledgeable and very intelligent when it came to life and the respecting of life. We see this in their ranks, their structure, their discipline. We see them treat each other, all of them treat each other as sisters. They respect one another's life and they appreciate it. They just don't carry that out into the world of all the other races because it's heavily influenced from Kome and Katake, basically telling the Gerudo tribe that they're the only ones that really matter and everyone else is outcasting them. So the temple served its innocent purpose of worship originally. It wasn't until they established it as a full foothold that it became a place of, instead of just worship, it was also a place of basically solitude and basically a military camp. So that's pretty much the history on the Spirit Temple. Ariel, do you have any cool tidbits for us? I do. I have a couple, actually. So <laughs> this one's kind of a funny one. The center points on the Desert Colossus statue's pecs inside the spirit temple are long shot targets <laughs> <laughs> and it's a joke among the developers that's why it's there <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny oh goodness another interesting I thought was this was an interesting tidbit of information the spirit temple can be completed before the shadow temple oh yes in fact, the spirit medallion comes before the shadow medallion on the quest status subscreen, as well as the file select screen, implying that the spirit temple was meant to be completed before the shadow temple. But Navi's prompt, prompt to head to the desert only occurs after completing the shadow temple. So this could mean that the shadow temple was indeed the final temple until 
late in development. Hmm. And you know, I would... I would have preferred the Shadow Temple be the last temple. Just... It's the coolest one. (laughs) Well, that, and it adds that extra element of creepy, you know? Because I found uh, when I played the game, the last time I played through, that I, I felt like the creepy and horror aspect of the Shadow Temple was kind of lost when you completed it and you went to this, you know, and you went to this bright, sunny land to complete the temple that is literally all about light and using light against opponents. Maybe this is just a speculation, but maybe the developers thought let's end on a happy note with the light mm, true true that that's just a speculation that's not you know the reason why as mm. far as i know but yeah i just thought that was interesting that you could you could complete it before the shadow temple and the little last tidbit of information just because i like things is the Shadow Temple is the only one in the game with two major items to be obtained. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. The silver gauntlet and the mirror, mirror shield. shield. Yep. yep. Yeah, I never actually... Ah, you know what? As many times as I've played it, you think I'd realize that. But yeah, you're right. It is the only one to obtain where you'll obtain two major items. Yeah. Hmm. Nice little G-Wiz info. Yeah, just little tidbits of information. It's always fun. I do have one more thing that I almost forgot to mention, but I really want to talk about it. (laughs) It's another fan theory. So fan theory about the Spirit Temple. While the Gerudo Desert does appear in the Twilight Princess, the spirit temple is nowhere to be seen and what we know of the timeline is it should be there however the arbiter grounds where everything major takes place peculiarly look a lot like the spirit temple and this is seen in a couple similarities number one the architecture it's very much structured, much like the Gerudo's style of architecture. Uh, and this is, you know, in a couple of things, not only the appearance, but the fact that the goddess of sands appears atop the Arbiter's grounds. So huge reference point there. It is also a very, very prominent feature of the Spirit Temple. So it's safe to assume that they are one in the same or have at least been re you know the arbiter's grounds have been reconstructed around the spirit temple and the other tidbit that kind of connects them is the it is pretty much in the exact location that the spirit temple was in the ocarina time there's not much difference in their location so yeah that was i thought that was a fun little fan theory to connect our timeline a little bit more. Yeah. So, with that being discussed, let's move on to our final temple and one of my personal favorites, the Forest Temple. 
So, the Forest Temple. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of info on the Forest Temple, but I can explain why that is. So, before we get into this explanation, we have to figure out what it's about. So, the Forest Temple is where we obviously meet back up with Saria. This is after we pull the Master Sword, we become an adult, and it is the very first temple we go to. <sighs> we go here because we find out that the entire forest has basically been taken over with monsters. Our home has been the Kokiri Forest where we lived at one point, taken over my monsters, and we're like, what is going on here? And we're pretty much directed that path. So we go in, we find Saria, we get taught the song, and we're ready to go. Hookshot our way up the tree, and we're in. This is pretty much where we get our first sage, and it is the forest sage. So that's pretty much it here. The reason it's one of my favorite temples is because of the windy hallway. It is one of the coolest puzzles, in my opinion, because when you try to walk down it, it twists and turns. And you're like, what is going on? It's great, and I loved it. I loved it as a kid. I love it even more as an adult because I can appreciate not only the time it took to program this, but the creativity it took to think this out. So essentially, the forest temple is massively based on illusions and trickery and spirits. And we see this in the enemies that are in there. We have the Poe, you know, we have we have all kinds of creepy crawlies. Yeah, it's it's full of fun. And this is where we actually fight the Ganon Shadow or Shadow Ganon or Phantom Ganon or whatever you want to call him. It's, the game calls him Phantom Ganon. But this is where we fight him and we get our first taste of what this game is going to be like. <laughs> so all that being said, that's pretty much it for the Forest Temple. Except what was it before all of this? What was it before the Hyrulean War and all of these things, the Hyrulean Civil War? You know, what what was it? Well, we can speculate safely that it was potentially where the Kokiri once lived. And we can do this because, number one, it's directly in the pretty much the center of the forest. Number two, it's pretty close proximity to the Deku tree. And number three... We see a lot of remnants throughout the temple of it being utilized as home for somebody. I mean, it is a massive castle. Once we get inside, we can truly see how big this thing is. It has courtyards and, and you know, fountains and little, little sitting areas. And I mean, it's got a ton of stuff in it. It would only make sense that before it was some sort of homestead for people. And since the castle's so large, it couldn't just hold some sort of, you know, just one royal family. It seems like it was built to hold multiple people. So we can we can kind of assume that after the Civil War broke out, the Kokiri took refuge closer to the Deku tree and hid deeper within the forest as to avoid conflict, because what we know is that Kokiri played zero part in the Hyrulean Civil War. And after they began to, you know, construct dwellings for themselves and became more comfortable, they just didn't bother to go back. They let the force take its home back. You know, and we can also see this 
that it was potentially used in the way it with the Kokiri living there throughout the design of the actual greenery. I mean, when you first go to it, it's a maze to get to it. You know, and we know the Kokiri love their jokes and games because they're kids. You know, well, if you were a kid and you had the ability to build a castle, would you not have a garden maze? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's just a given. <laughs> So that is pretty much it for the forest temple. I mean, it's not super exciting. It's not super crazy. You know, it's it's just what it is. It, they were very blatant with this one. However, we do have a fan theory. So the fan theory here, and it is widely speculated across the Legend of Zelda fan base, that the... Forbidden Woods and the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker is in fact the forest temple with a different layout. And I could honestly see it because with everything that happened with the you know with the world being flooded and everything being overtaken with water, I could see it destroying the castle walls and manipulating the forest and you know I don't think the original graphics for the Ocarina of Time really did the forest justice because the lost wood is made up of extremely tall trees and extremely overtaken in wildlife and greenery. It's massive and sprawling and expanding. And, you know, the back in the days of the N64 graphics, it was not that easy to render this. Nowadays, I mean, with games like Breath of the Wild, we can see how expansive a wood line can truly be and how tall the trees are. And, you know, we get that feel and that sense of reality with that, so to speak, in a fantasy game. <laughs> but I could see it being the Forbidden Forest on all honesty. So with all that being said, do you have any special little tidbits for us? I do. Oh, mm. I love it when you bring special facts. <laughs> so you know the ghost voices within the temple yeah that's actually just Ganondorf's laugh heavily sped up really mm -hmm. it creates a higher pitched voice doing that and they do this to save time ha instead of having to create an entirely new voice clip I mean, it makes sense with the amount of time that they have to spend developing everything else for it. You know, cutting the corners on a couple of things like this really cuts down the time mm -hmm. of production. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we done that for our podcast? We just sped up somebody's voice and change it a little bit. And <laughs> boom, we have a sound effect. So I have one more thing. Okay. So if you get the urge to just not want to do the forest temple I don't know why you would but go on <laughs> <laughs> Ocarina of Time 3D has a glitch in the central room that allows you to clip out of bounds and fall right into the loading zone for the boss room <laughs> so you can just skip everything and go straight to the boss yep oh goodness <sighs> gotta love those uh, speed speed run yeah and 
for all you fans listening out there, the setup's a bit tricky. You have to get Link to stand in the corner of the railing, hookshot the wall, backflip to the other side of the railing, and swing the sword to clip through the wall and fall into the boss room. So... You have to be really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you get to skip it. You won't get the fairy bow if you do this, but you can use the hook shot to kill Phantom Ganon instead. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I want my fairy bow. <laughs> yeah, it was just something fun, I thought. So there's one more thing I want to bring up before we go. I want to bring up another fan theory and it has specifically to do with the ocarina and i found this interesting and i'm bringing it up because we talked about the shadow temple and this is where we start getting our songs and we get to utilize the ocarina and we really get a feel for the music aspect of legend of zelda which music for legend of zelda top tier beautiful music but it is heavily speculated and confirmed that the Ocarina of Time is actually built out of the very same time stones that our little robot friends are harvesting in Skyward Sword. And this explains so much. The Ocarina of Time being able to be used to manipulate time stone, like time stone blocks in Majora's Mask, it's utilized to manipulate time flow itself. You know, in other games, it's able to manipulate time flow itself. I mean, it always perplexed me how this simple ocarina could be so magical. And with that finally being answered with it simply just saying it's made out of the magical time stones, it truly simplified and explained so much. And when I read this and found this out, I had to share it with you all immediately. (laughs) (laughs) So the next time you're whipping out that ocarina, take a minute to appreciate the beautiful craftsmanship of the time stone. Mind blown. (laughs) Well, with all that being said, I want to say a huge thank you again to all of you listening, all of you sharing our podcast, rating and reviewing. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are the best. (laughs) So, next week, we're going to start talking about one of my favorite games. Oh, who are we kidding? They're all my favorite games. But one of the games that answered a lot of questions for all of us, we're going to start right from the very beginning with Skyward Sword, and we're going to go really in-depth with this one, so get ready. So, with all that being said, thank you all for listening. Tune in next week. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZLorecast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.